Okay, so we're going to start a new section of our series, Who is Jesus? Everybody say, Who is Jesus? Okay, so for the last couple months, we've been uh, looking at who Jesus is because if we believe that we're going to be Christ followers, we should know who Christ is. Amen? And if we believe that we're going to be world changers, uh, the only way to change uh, the world effectively is to know Jesus because Jesus is the only one who's going to uh, do that with us. Amen? And so we can't change the world on our own. Uh, if we try, we'll change it in the wrong way. Uh, but if we do it with Jesus, he can change our life and everybody else's lives from the inside out. Amen? And so on this journey we've been going on to learn about Jesus, we learned in the first month that Jesus was God. And everybody remember that? Raise your hand if you remember that we talked about how Jesus is God, how that's important. And then last month we talked about how Jesus um, was a human and how he lived on earth for 33 years, give or take. And how uh, he, what he did was important, how he lived and his characteristics and his priorities. And so now uh, we're going to talk about something new for this month, and I'm really excited about it. And we're going to talk about the ministry of Jesus. Everybody say the ministry of Jesus. And so the reason we're talking about this, it's cool because we talked about the first two months kind of who Jesus was. And now we're going to talk about for this month, what did Jesus do? Does that make sense? So we learn who Jesus was. And and if I'm getting to know somebody, like if if I'm getting to know Ken, it's really good for me to know who he is and what he likes to do and his prior, what his priorities are and his character and the things that make him him, right? Uh, but then I also, if I want to take it a step further, the thing that will help us connect is if I know what he does, what he likes to do, what his passions are. Um, and so what Jesus taught and the miracles he performed are so important for us to understand because it makes real the supernatural, wonder-working power of Jesus that moves outside of the desolate mess that we call this world. Amen? And so the reason we're doing this is think about it. So we're going to learn about, over the next three, three weeks, we're going to learn about the teachings, the miracles, and the atonement of Jesus. And I'll, I'll let you know what that last word means when we get there. But um, the reason we're talking about this is if I am going to be a Christ follower, if I'm going to follow Jesus, if I'm going to love him with everything that I have and and live my life in a way that reflects Jesus, I better know why. And it's not just because Jesus was a good person. So I'm not teaching you about Jesus just to show you that he's a good person. I'm teaching you about Jesus to show you that he can he can heal the sick. And he can save your soul. And he can change your situation from what it from a desolate situation to a prosperous situation. He can change your, your mindset from, from that of a negative one to a positive one. He can change you from the inside out. And so as we learn about the things that Jesus did, we'll learn about why our friends would want to meet him. And the reason is it's because he's a miracle working, a, a, a way maker, a supernatural God that, that works outside of what we can control and out, outside of what we can even understand. And how I would help Jake in a scenario is I might give him some money, I might give him a high five, I might give him a pep talk, but I can't do what Jesus can do for Jake. Only Jesus can do for Jake what Jesus can do for Jake. <laughs> Amen? And, uh, and, and so that, that's the importance of this. And so for this week, I want to start off with the teachings of Jesus. 
I want, we want, I want us to learn about what did Jesus teach and why did he teach it? We know of many different instances where Jesus taught. Uh, we, we know of the Sermon on the Mount, which is uh, early in the Gospel of Matthew and talks about all these different uh, the Beatitudes, all these different things that you do, you don't do, who you are, blesses the poor, all this kind of stuff, right? And then we, we hear about Jesus' teachings in the temples and the many parables that he taught. And one of the interesting things about Jesus' teaching, and this is something I've been learning through some books that I've been reading, but the interesting thing about Jesus' teaching is that they usually start out pretty straightforward. And so that it's kind of like how I intro you into a new series. I tell you, this is what we're going to talk about. This is why we're going to talk about it, and this is how it could potentially change your life. And then I get into the, the nitty-gritty of all of it, right? And sometimes the nitty-gritty is like, oh, gosh, like, slow down. Like, that's a lot, right? And it's the same way with Jesus. Jesus starts out usually telling, like, with, with the Sermon on the Mount. It's very easy to understand. Jesus is telling you this. Jesus is telling you this. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. You're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. This is what he's saying. And then later on, you see that Jesus' teachings get more and more complicated, and, and they, they go from Sermon on the Mount to parables about a lost sheep. Or a parable about the prodigal son. Or a parable about all these different things. And so you kind of, at the end of it, have to kind of decipher for yourself what does this mean. And the reason that Jesus does this is because Jesus wants the beginning f- portion of, of his interaction with you to be easy to understand he wants you to know who he is. But after that, he wants you to be able to long for what he's trying to say. Does that make sense? So he, it's not just, he's not just going to give it to you on a silver platter all the time. He wants, you to like, he wants you to ask questions. Jesus, why did you say that? Make that make sense for me. Have you ever been having a really good, raise your hand if you've been having a real good conversation with somebody, but, and you have to ask a question like, what does that even mean? Like, you know, it's like someone's so smart, and you're like, wait, can you explain that to me? Like, that's really cool, but can you explain, right? Like, we've been there. And, and that's how it is with Jesus. I don't want Jesus to just tell me everything and I know everything after one interaction with him. I want to press in and I want to say, Jesus, what, is, what did you mean by that? You know, and how can I live like that? And does that make sense? And so he does that to, for, to draw us close, us being the ones that love him deeply. And he does it to actually confuse and sometimes harden the hearts of those that don't want to love him. If you don't want to understand Jesus, you won't. If you want to understand Jesus, you can but it takes relationship. It's like if you were trying to get to know me and the weird things that I do, and I'm a weird guy, and I do quirky things, and Shable tells me all the time I'm weird, and Danielle tells me I'm weird too, and everybody else tells me I'm weird. Michaela started telling me I'm weird, so I'm just kidding. But, but uh, so I do, I do things that are different or whatever. I, I do things a certain way, and if someone wants to know why I do it, they just ask, like, hey, why did you do that? Like, oh, well, the reason is... <laughs> Or whatever, right? And so whether, whether straightforward or a bit cryptic, the teachings of Jesus always have a clear message that we're supposed to take from them. Amen? Whether it's the Sermon on the Mount or the, or the parables, they, they always have something that we're supposed to take home. And it's like, it's like all the different series and messages I've taught in here. Um, and some of you have been here for the full, what is it now, three years? That I've been the youth pastor here and preaching, and and uh, you were there for the first couple of messages that were rough, and then you've been here for the rest of them that have been a little bit better. 
uh, or some of you have just joined us this summer or or the last couple of weeks or or whatever it is, and you're starting to uh, learn what I'm teaching. And sometimes I'm trying to get you to think when I preach, sometimes I'm trying to get you to think a certain direction, or sometimes, like in this series, I'm just trying to give you the best information I can about what I want about the topic I want to teach you. Amen? And it's the same with Jesus. Some of Jesus' teachings are to teach you what you need to know, and sometimes Jesus' teachings are to set your feet in a different direction. Some, sometimes Jesus' teaching is just to get your mind into a different space, right? And whatever it is, but Jesus' is teaching, there's a, there's a purpose to it. Amen? While studying uh, Jesus' teachings this week, I've narrowed it down to three main themes that I think are important for us to get. So I, I've been looking at all the things Jesus taught in the Bible, all the things that he said. And when I'm looking at it, there's multiple, multiple themes. A, a whole, uh, everybody know what a theme is? You know, like in school when they tell you, what's the theme of this book? or not? Everybody know what that is? Raise your hand if you know what that is. Yeah? It's just like the main idea, right? And so uh, there's a lot of different themes in Jesus' teachings, but... Th- Here's three that I think are really important. If we take them home, I think uh, we'll learn from Jesus, which I think is a good thing. Amen? And so the first thing that I see is that Jesus wants us to be ready for him. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down as the first one. Be ready for him. The fact is that uh, Jesus is coming back. And and I'm, I'm not here to be like this, like, End times preacher is like, Jesus is coming back tomorrow, and you better be ready. And uh, if you didn't see uh, that, you know, there was an earthquake across, you know, on some other country, that means Jesus is coming back tomorrow because I know it. And I know the Bible says that Jesus says that he doesn't even know the day or the hour, but I promise you I do because, yeah. No, I'm not trying to say that. I'm not trying to say any of that. But Jesus did say that he was coming back soon when he was pure on earth, right? And so uh, the Bible does say that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day to Jesus, to God. So, so we don't know when he's coming back, but all I know is that he is coming back. Can we agree on that, that Jesus is coming back? The Bible says he's going to have this big triumphant second coming, and we got to be ready for that. Because why? He's coming back for us. And who is us? The church. So Jesus is coming back for the church, and what happens if you, if you lag and you, and you don't? Follow Jesus and you just put it off till tomorrow and you just put off being faithful to Jesus till tomorrow. You put off all this stuff. What happens is when he comes back for the church, you'll be outside the doors. And I'm not preaching this or saying this to scare anybody. I'm not doing that at all. I'm preaching this to prepare you. Is that cool? Can I do that? I'm not saying like, oh, be very scared. He's coming back soon. And if you're not on the train, you're, you know, whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he is coming back soon. So we should be prepared. Amen? And whether we see it in our lifetime here on earth or not doesn't negate the fact that we need to be ready. And the reason that this is an important theme in Jesus' messages, when Jesus talks about you being ready for him, the reason that this is important is because it, it portrays urgency. Anybody ever felt an urgency? Like, oh, I got to get this done. Like, it's, like, it's like if you've ever procrastinated on an essay till the night before. Anybody ever done that? I think the worst one I ever did was uh, <laughs> I was in college, and there was this uh, theology paper I had to write up on the Holy Spirit, and it was supposed to be 10 pages long. <laughs> and, 
and it was due at 11.59 on a certain day, right? And at like, at like 8.30, I remembered I had this paper to write. So I had like three and a half hours <laughs> to write a 10-page paper. And it was the worst paper I ever wrote, but I just, I just wrote it. And, and the teacher's like, where's all your, uh, you know, references and things? I was like, yo, homie, that's just off the top of the dome. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what to tell you, but like, you know, I just... But what happened was is there was an urgency. And luckily the teacher was like, hey, I get it. I'm going to give you an extra week. Just make it good, and I'll dock it like 10 points. I said, that's good. Because it's either me failing or me writing a good paper and him docking it 10 points. So I took, I took the, the second one. But, but when, I, when, I, when, it, when I was hanging out with my friends, having a good time, we're out eating dinner and everything, and, and my friend's like, you got any homework time? I was like, no, nah, man, I'm chilling. And then I looked down at my phone, and there's like an alert because of the, the thing that they – you know, the email thing that they do, and it's like, you have a paper due at 11.59 today. I was like, I do? What paper do I have due? And I look at it, and I was like, that's a 10-page, this is not like a 500-word paper. This is a 10-page paper. That's a lot of words. That's like 5,000 words or more, and uh, probably more. And so, so I panicked, and there's an urgency. And so this is what Jesus, Jesus doesn't want us to panic, but Jesus wants us to be urgent. Jesus doesn't want us to just, uh, you know, eventually I'll make God a priority in my life. Eventually I'll make youth group a priority in my life. Eventually I'll make going to church a priority. Eventually I'll read my Bible. Eventually I'll pray. Eventually, everybody get the, get the idea? And then 8.30 rolls around for the 11.59 due date for your, your 10-page paper and you're realizing, oh, oh, no. And what that looks like in our life is like, is like, is like the enemy comes knocking on our door with, with a trial that's really, really tough to get through, and we didn't prepare for this paper. We didn't prepare for what God said that we could go through. We didn't prepare for it, and so just like how I wrote this 10-page paper and it was awful, we go into a situation that God was trying to prepare us for unprepared, and it turns out bad. And then the next day we find ourselves in the situation we all are in all too often where it's like, oh, God, why did I do that? Who's ever been there? Like, oh, man, I made a big mistake. You ever made a mistake so big it just makes you sick? You're like, oh, my goodness. Why did I do that? Why did I say that to that person? Or why did, right? And it's because there was no urgency to our faithfulness. Amen? Jesus doesn't want you to keep putting off following him until it's more convenient for you. He wants you to do it today, right? Because he's coming soon. And so there's a parable in the Bible about the ten virgins or the ten bridesmaids in different translations. It, it says that. And so some of you, especially the young people in the room, are like, what did he just say? <laughs> you know. But basically the stories it's found in, uh, Matthew chapter 25, 1 through 13, but I'll summarize it. So basically, there's, there's ten, uh, the ten virgins or the ten bridesmaids, whatever you want to call them, but it represents us as the church, okay? Can we, are we clear on that? Is that cool? And this is a story that's supposed to represent something. So imagine ten brides, right? And they, re they represent us. And then there's one groom. Represents who? Jesus, okay? And so some of these, some of these bridesmaids are 
are ready for the groom. So they have their, their lamp filled with oil. They're ready to go. And some of them don't. And, the, and the, the oil's halfway or whatever. And so the groom, Jesus shows up and he says, are you ready? And then the half of them are like, yes, we're ready. And the other half are like, wait a second, got to go to the store to get some stuff. I'll be right back. They run over here. They get their stuff. And then they run back. And when they run back, the door is closed and the groom's gone. And it's the same way for us. And sometimes it's like, are, are you ready for Jesus? Are you ready for Jesus to call you into something better? Are you ready for Jesus to do something more in your life? And you say, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty good. If he comes, I'll just run to the store real quick. If he comes, I'll just talk to my small group leader real quick and get everything I need to know, and then we'll, and then we'll be good. Right? If he comes, I'll, I'll, you know, start a Bible study on, I promise I will, on my school campus if Jesus comes back. I'll start a Bible study then. <laughs> but it's too late. It's too late to go and run it, right? Because then the doors are closed. So what Jesus is asking of us is faithfulness. Don't serve him when things suck. Don't just serve him when, thing, when things are easy. And don't just pray when you need him, but serve him faithfully. Amen? We're not perfect, so we're going to mess up, but we must be ready for him. And, and, let, and let's be faithful in all things. Amen? So that, that's the first thing I see is Jesus wants us to be ready. The second thing is Jesus wants you to steward your gifts. Steward little. I'm just kidding. Steward your gifts. You're like, what does steward mean, Brett? Um, one of you has got a really crazy accent, like southern accent in here. I just heard it. No, I'm just kidding. But that was me. Um, but what does that mean? What, what does stewarding your gifts mean? Stewarding your gifts means that God gives you something. God gives you a gift and he wants you to use it well. Does that make sense? Let me, let me give you an example. On the very next verse in chapter 25, Jesus tells this story. It's called the parable of the talents. And so I'll let you read that for yourself. There's a lot to read. So we're basically talking out of Matthew 25. So when you go home, read Matthew 25. It's super good. But basically, here's the story. A man. Everybody say a man. I'm just a bill. <laughs> Do you ever? You guys remember? Okay. Uh, I don't know why I just thought of that. Uh, anyways. Um, I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill, or whatever it is. Um, so there's a man that goes on a journey, goes on a trip, goes on a vacay. I don't know. And so this man leaves, and he leaves his property with three servants. Everybody say three servants. And so he leaves, uh, and they're called talents in here. That he leaves five talents with Ken, and he live, leaves two talents with Brian, and then he leaves one talent with Kevin, right? I don't know what their names were. I just used these guys, but he leaves five with one of them, two with the other, and one with the last one, and so the person that was entrusted with five, guess what he does? He doubles it. He turns five into ten, and, and so when the master comes back, he says, hey, you gave me five. Here's ten. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's called being a good steward. That's what that means, okay? And then the next one who got two, he did the same thing. He said, you gave me two? I got four. Here's four, right? It's pretty sick. And then the last one, he said, you gave me one, so I buried it, and I kept it safe, and, and, here's, and here's one. Do we got a hyena in the front seat, or what's going on? Uh, so we, so we, had, we, had, we had five turn into ten, two turn into four, and one just stayed one. 
And all of you are probably thinking, well, what's the big deal, man? He gave you one, you kept one, all that kind of stuff. But Jesus doesn't want you to just take what he gives you and keep it in a closed fist. He says, I want to give this to you so that you can bless somebody else. I want to give this to you so that you can multiply it so that it's worth more for for my kingdom, right? And so think about it. The person takes five and makes five more. And so now the, the, the master has ten. Think about how that works for us. And let's, let's use money. Let's say God gives me $100,000. Sheesh, right? I can keep the $100,000 and be like, God, look, I kept it. I kept it safe. Or I could double it, make $200,000, and give it all to kids who are starving around the world. And then God's like, that was sick. That was cool, man. Like, you, you took my money. You doubled it, and you did with it what I wanted you to do. Does that make sense? That's what stewarding means. So now let's talk about your gifts. Each and every one of you was given unique talents and gifts and skills. You were given a unique set of skills. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you all were. You're given talents and gifts, giftings, each and every one of you. And the purpose of God giving you these gifts is so that you can use them to further his kingdom. The purpose of you... Being able to sing is not so that you can sing in the shower that no, no one can hear you. And then whenever someone's like, hey, can you sing me a song? You're like, mm-hmm. like, hey, do you want to join the worship team? Mm-hmm. Right? Imagine that. God gave you a voice to, to praise him. Right? Or, or let's say God gave you an ability to teach. And preach and, and speak. And God's like, I want you to use this to tell people about me. And you're like, ah, you know, I'll just make, like, YouTube videos, but I won't put them live. Nobody will see them, and I'll just practice at home. Right? You're like, what? Or I'll preach about Pokemon. <laughs> you know? And God's like, I mean, that's cool, but, like, no, that's not what I want you to do. Or let's say God gave you a gift of, wa- of wisdom. Of being wise. So when people ask you things, you, you've, got a, you've got a pretty good hand on what they should do, right? And so people ask you about Jesus, and you've got a gift of being wise, but you're too scared to tell them about Jesus because you don't want to lose that friendship. That's not being a very good steward of a gift, is it? Right? Let me give you an example. I had a friend. I'm not going to say his name because I'm about to... Roast him a little bit, but uh, I had this friend who had an incredible talent to play the drums. He was super good, like really, really good. And and I, you know, I'm I'm I lead worship. I'm I'm putting together bands, and all the time I'd ask this friend of mine, "Hey, do you want to play drums at church?" Nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, okay, all right. A couple weeks later, hey, you want to play drums for the church? Nah, I'm good. I'm good. And and this person had had a was really gifted, really, really good at playing drums. And they never once, after, after they quit, they never once again played drums at the church. And I thought to myself, and not to like rag on somebody, but I thought to myself, how, how sad do you think God is that he gave you an incredible gift to worship him and you keep telling him no? And, and God wants you to use it in his house and you keep saying no. You know what I mean? Like, we, we have some, like, we got Caleb in the back running camera, and, and we asked him, hey, Caleb, would you run camera? And he said, yes, right? But what if he was like, I'm really good at running camera, but he kept saying no and no and no and no. 
Right? It's like Michaela just joined the worship team, and, and it's like, hey, God's like, hey, Michaela, I want you to use your voice to worship me. And she's like, no, I'm, I think I'm good. Does that make sense? So I want you all to think about, like, what, what, what gifts have God given, has God given you, and how do we use those to better his kingdom? Amen? Verse 29 there says, For to everyone who has will, be more, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What that's saying is the one who makes more of what they have, to more will be given. The person who had five talents and turned it into ten, the master's going to give him more. Right? But the person who had one and just held it to himself, that's taken away and it's going to be given to someone else who can use it. And it's the same thing with my friend. Like, he had a great gift to play the drums, but you know what? If you're not going to use it, someone else is going to play drums here. Right? Someone else is going to worship God. The Bible says that if we don't worship, even the rocks will cry out. Right? So, so God says, Brett, I want you to sing. I want you to preach. I want you to do these things. But if you won't, I don't need you. Someone else will do it. God is doing an amazing work, and he wants you to be a part of it, but he doesn't need you to. And so you, you get to be a part. And so take the step and, and accept the call from Jesus. Amen? So number three, and I'm going to end here. La- last thing on that last one about your gifts. Hit up a leader. Join a team. Join the worship team. Join the media team. Do whatever you want to do. Whatever talents you have, you want to preach, you want to give it a go like Kaylee did a couple weeks ago, then, then send it. You know what I mean? Send it. Okay, number three. Everybody say number three. The last theme that I'm, I want to talk about that I think Jesus thinks is really important is to love God and to love others. So Jesus wants you to be prepared for him to come back. He wants you to steward your gifts well while you're here on earth. And he wants you to love others and love God. Love God, love others. Jesus is love, so it makes sense for it to be a main topic of discussion for him. Amen? Uh, in Matthew chapter 22, so just a couple chapters earlier, uh, a Pharisee asked him, what, what is the greatest commandment in the law? So he goes up to Jesus, he says, Jesus, you know, there's all these commandments, especially the Ten Commandments. What is the greatest of them all? He thought it was a good question, Jesus says. Uh, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So so Jesus says the greatest thing you could ever do is love your God with everything you have. And the second one that's like it is you should love your neighbor as well. As you love yourself. So Jesus tells story after story and and lived his life in a way that proved this to be true, that he loved the Father with everything that he had, and he loved everyone around him. So here's the question to end today. This is the one question I want you to ponder for the maybe the entire week until we come back next week. How well do you love? Uh, Danielle and I got married uh, four years ago, four and some change years ago. August 2017, and uh, we had this we had this uh, uh, this big wooden board that had a W on it, and it, everyone signed it as kind of like our uh, our guest book or whatever. And so everyone signs something cute and leaves their name, and and uh, and they were all wonderful and so sweet. And but one uh, more than uh, the others for some reason stood out to me, and it was Danielle's uh, uncle Tom 
left a very simple message, but it, it was so profound to me. And he, and he just said, simply, he just said, love well, Uncle Tom. And I like, I was like, it's, it's two words, but it's like, you know how profound that is? And for someone just to leave that, and it wasn't, it wasn't, and all the other advice were good, you know, like, like, work through it, you know, don't get mad at each other, love each other no matter what, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know, whatever it is. And, and he just simply said, love well. And I think that encapsulates it all. If, if I'm to love my wife, I should just love her well. And what does loving well mean? It means loving like Jesus, right? And so that's the question I have to ask you. How well do you love? Do you love God well? Do you love your family well? Some of you are like, I just got done screaming at my mom before she dropped me off for youth. It's okay. My son was screaming at me today, too. So we're going to have a talk when we get home. Jeez. I'm like, dude, you've been in the world for four days and you're already acting up? No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Do you love your friends well? Right? Do you love your friends well or, or do you kind of just use your friends for whatever you need from them? Do you love your enemies well? So how, how, how well do you love and how can you get better? Think about, think about those things. How well do you love and how can you get better? And so maybe, maybe it takes this week journaling and writing things down. I, I love God well. I love my family not so well. I love my friends pretty well and I love my enemies not good at all. Or some of it might be I don't love God enough. But I love my family, and I love my friends, and I'm nice to people. Just make the list, whatever it is. Write it down, and then once you've written it down, the, the areas that you're weak in, how do you get better? How do I love God better? How do I love my family better? How do I love my friends better? And the hardest one of them all, how do I love my enemies better? And so I'm not going to give you the answer to it. <laughs> I'm not, because I want you to think about it this week. And I want, you to, I want you to seek the answer. I don't want me to just tell you the answer because if I tell you the answer, then you'll forget we ever talked about it. So I, I want to leave it open-ended. H- how do I love better? I want you to go on a journey this week to figure that out. And once you figure it out, text the leader or text me or come see me next week and say, I think I've figured out how I can love my parents better. Or I think I've figured out how I can love God better. Can we do that? That's the homework for this week. How can you love better? And I'm not giving you the answer. Cool? All right, let's stand up. Let's pray. That's all I got for you today. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you so much for who you are. And we just thank you that you love us well. You love us the best that we've ever been loved. God, you love us when we don't deserve it. You love us when we're mad at you. You love us when when we, we don't do things that you want us to. But God, help us to love people like you love them. Help us to love you more. Help us to love our family more. Help us to love our friends and our enemies more. Help us to love well. So this week, God, as we go on this journey to figure out how do we love better, give us revelation. Speak to us, Lord. Show us how to love better in your word. Give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, let's hang out. Love you. Bye-bye.